Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody welcome to the gold diggers podcast here on the gold standard podcast network it is friday you know me rob stats guerrera you know mimosa michelle michelle majuk what's up friday it is my wife's birthday i already have a mimosa in hand after this episode i'll be brunching it up to celebrate her (laughs) birthday i got kickball tonight it's a perfect 70 degrees and sunny out in houston texas life is good life is wow You have a lot going on, but don't act like Kate's birthday is the reason you have a mimosa today. I know, I know. But, you know, it's just an extra excuse to have one. Anthony says, it's not Friday until I hear, hey, hey, love Michelle, Rob, you're cool too. You actually didn't give a hey, hey today. I think I did. I think I started with hey, hey. I don't think so. But anyway, we appreciate all the love. There you go. Uh, If you want to support the show, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. That is the best possible way you can support the show. If you leave it, we will read it. It's nice to do this after a win, Michelle. And you made the comment that I'm wearing the same hoodie that I was wearing last Friday when we did the show. That is by design, okay? The 49ers won. I'm keeping it the same. I'm doing my part to help the team. What do you do it? I did not wear the same hoodie. So now I'm getting in my own head that I should be wearing the same one. Cause what if this hoodie is bad luck or the right. sweatshirt? And we both have the homage 49ers homage gear on, which is awesome. It's super comfortable. Obviously it looks fantastic. As you can see, if you want to get some of your own, just click the link in the description of this episode. It'll take you right to the page and you definitely should do that. All right. Uh, we've got best bets this week. I know you've got some best bets as well. Um, but before we get to that, we actually just got a question from Kevin Dennis, who says, Michelle, I have three options at quarterback this weekend for fantasy Purdy Dobbs and Tua. Please help me pick my quarterback to start this weekend. And if anybody doesn't know, Michelle, you are a fantasy expert. You have a column that I believe is already up fire and ice on NFL.com fire and ice on the game day.com. And then I have trade, uh, trade high sell or oh my goodness, buy high. Buy low, sell high. A fifth time is the charm. I swear I've only had <laughs> one sip of mimosa so far. And that's on NFL.com. Uh, for Kevin Dennis's question, I really like all three quarterbacks this week. I think Dobbs is the safest to give you 18 fantasy points, if that's what you're looking for. And Tua obviously has the highest ceiling, but I do think Purdy is the best play this week against the Buccaneers defense. Ooh, okay. We'll get into that a little more. Sorry, I messed up all your uh, different. You do so many different things in so many different places. It's hard to keep it all straight. Yeah, I can't wait for fantasy season to be over. (laughs) (laughs) Looking at the game this week, this is my one worry. My worry is that the 49ers are just going to exhale and say, we fixed everything. We're good. 
we can go back to kind of taking teams lightly again. And I don't, I hope that's not the case because they really, really, really need a win this week before they go into the Seattle Philly Seattle sandwich coming up. Yeah. And I don't know. It's not like the Buccaneers are a terrible team, right? They have, I mean, in their own division, their record is pretty solid, right? I mean, it's not solid overall. What are they four and five? So yeah, it doesn't look great, but I do think the Buccaneers are a good enough team where you're going. It's not like you're facing the giants with Tommy DeVito here, right? <laughs> like you're facing a team that has solid weapons. They still have a lot of those guys from the super bowl. Just a few, a few years ago, they have good weapons. Baker Mayfield's doing his thing. I do think the 49ers destroy them, but I don't think this is a game where the where the 49ers look at this team on their schedule and say, we're going to we're going to handle this. Like, I do think they would take this seriously. I just love this matchup for pretty much all of the weapons on the 49ers offense. I, I think they match up really well against this Buccaneers defense. It's just giving up so many passing yards and especially uh, passing yards to the wide receiver position. I just think Brandon Ayuk has a huge game. Brock Purdy has a huge game. Christian McCaffrey regularly scores multiple touchdowns against the Buccaneers. We know he has that history there with Panthers versus the Buccaneers when they were in the same division. So I just love this matchup for all of these offensive guys. And I do think the defense, they came out strong after the bye. Let's hope they keep that up. Yeah, that would be the encouraging thing to me, to see another good defensive performance because – Jacksonville's pass blocking all year has been a little suspect. So it's kind of hard to separate. Like did the 49ers figure it out and have a really good day or were the Jags just bad at pass blocking? Anyway, Tampa Bay is much better at pass blocking than the Jags. Baker Mayfield's only been sacked 16 times all year, which is the exact same amount Brock Purdy has been sacked. Uh, So I want to see the defense come out and just do the same things that they did against Jacksonville. Bring everybody at the line of scrimmage at the snap. Confuse Baker a little bit. Make him hold the ball. Just that extra beat that the pass rush needs to get home. Because if they play on Sunday the way they played last week, the 49ers are not going to lose. Because when your defense gets five sacks, four turnovers, the Niners are not losing like that. And there's no reason they can't do maybe not the exact same performance because four turnovers is a lot, but a very similar performance this week. Yeah, it was really interesting to see their sack rate go so high up, right? Like 12.8 sack percent last week, which means like for every one of their pressures, they came down with a sack on 12.8% of the time, but they were only at 5.2% from weeks one through eight before the buy. Like this is what you're getting so frustrated with, right? You were like, I don't want to hear about the quarterback pressures. I want to see some sacks. And they turned those pressures into sacks last week. And you knew it sooner or later had to happen, right? They're getting so many pressures. They're basically leading the league for most of this year in quarterback pressures. And if the defense can just, the secondary can just give them that extra half of a second to come down with a sack, you knew it was going to happen. We'll see if Chase Young was that difference or maybe the secondary just played up last week, but really love to see that. I think the biggest part of this matchup will come down to the turnover margin, right? Both teams have been pretty solid at the turnover battle. I know the 49ers went through that little period of time where they're really struggling, but the 49ers are five and one when winning the turnover battle this year. Oh, and two when losing the turnover battle, I will say the Buccaneers have lost the turnover battle. Just one game this season. Mm. It was week six and they lost it by just, it was negative one turnover differential. They had one giveaway and they didn't have uh, you know, they didn't turn over or they didn't, Take, take away. away the ball from the Lions. 
that's the only game they didn't lose the or they lost the turnover battle. I do think that will be key here. Make Baker Mayfield make mistakes. And like we talked about, if they can just get that extra bit of hesitation out of him, that's going to give more pressure, put more pressure on him, potentially to fumbles, potentially to him having to force the ball into coverage. That's where that comes from. You win the turnovers because you make people uncomfortable. Uh, Jay McCowan says, Michelle, do you still think Hufanga and Lenore are garbage? I don't think I ever use the word garbage, right? But I, I do not think Lenore is good. No. Uh, on a consistent basis, can he make some plays? Is he not going? No corner gives up a play in every. He doesn't allow reception every single coverage play, right? Well, like his name's Isaiah Oliver. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I do think Lenore is a below average corner in this league, pretty easily. Hufanga, I never use the word garbage. I just don't think he's uh, a top tier safety in coverage. He comes down with turnovers, and that's awesome. But he's like a poor man's. Troy Palomalu, right? And if you don't, like, I, I just feel like if you don't come down with those turnovers, you're just getting burned over and over and over. Yeah, I think Hufanga clearly is better closer to the line of scrimmage as opposed to in coverage. Although I will say the guy, every ball that's tipped comes down near him. It's unbelievable the nose that he has for the football. It's awesome. It's like Minka Fitzpatrick. I, I Like in coverage, Minka... They have him playing like so far deep. I don't really understand. But in coverage, Minka's not. I think he's way better than Hufanga. But it, he's just always in the right spot at the right time. And that is really important to have those guys. Like he knows where to be. And it can't just always be a coincidence. So I think right. that's huge for Hufanga. But you need a more secure, more reliable safety on the other side playing with him. And I don't think that's Gibson. He's too old for that. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly not long for the team after this year, I would imagine just because of his age, maybe Jair Brown will finally uh, get an opportunity at some point. Antonio YouTube channel member says, I'm so hyped for Sunday. The bucks are a decent team, but their ceiling is too low to be competitive with tier one teams. Their offense relies on Mike Evans and Godwin being the incredible wide receivers that they are. Mike Evans had one of the worst drops I've ever seen last week. He is a great player. It just, it was so stunning because he's so good. And he had a drop, like literally a drop, like when I throw the ball to my nine-year-old son, a drop and it hits him like directly in the chest, but he's had a couple of terrible drops this year. Yes, he has. Um, by the way, shout out to Antonio and all our YouTube channel members. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I so appreciate you. Please consider becoming a YouTube channel member. If you're not already, it's just, it's less than $3 a month. You get custom emojis, you get membership badges, you get priority comment response in the chat. So please, please consider it. If you want me to give you a follow on Twitter, I will. No one has wanted that, but Vish yells at me every time I don't include that. So I'm including it. Um, that to me is going to be the issue with the Niners. Because if they can't get pressure on Baker, he's going to have opportunities down the field to hit Godwin and to hit Evans. Even if it's only, you know, drawing a flag, like they'll be able to move the ball down the field if the 49ers don't get the, the kind of consistent pressure that they got against Trevor Lawrence. So that's what I'm watching for. Because if Baker has time to throw, he can sling it and those receivers can make you pay. He definitely can. I like Baker Mayfield a lot. I mean, you know this, right? I've been holding out hope that he can mm -hmm. be a good quarterback. And I do think this year he's shown he's a very viable starting quarterback. I mean, a lot of these losses are not on him. I mean, that Texans game, come on. He did everything he possibly yes. could to win that game. And the defense just really let him down there. And CJ Stroud just went off. But I will say 
I mean, the 49ers just had a matchup with the Buccaneers, right? Like week 14 of 2022 was not that long ago. Mm -hmm. A lot of the players on this team are the same exact players, except it's Baker Mayfield instead of Tom Brady. Now, are we really ready to say we're more scared of Baker Mayfield than Tom Brady last year? I'm not. And the 49ers destroyed them. 35 to seven. That was also in San Francisco. And I will say the secondary did their job in that game. They did a really great job. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin were targeted uh, combined 18 times in that game. And they allowed just nine receptions for 98 yards total to those two. Neither of them had a huge game at all. So if they can do that again, I don't think Rashad White, I mean, he's so inefficient, right? He's been scoring touchdowns. He gets some receptions, but highly inefficient. And Rashad White was actually the one to lead the team in scrimmage yards against the 49ers in last in their last matchup. You can let Rashad White do whatever he wants, right? It's <laughs> Mike Evans, you have to shut down, and then Chris Godwin after that. That's true. I didn't you're right about comparing it to last year. Like certainly you fear Brady more than you fear Breaker. The difference is last year we had D'Amico Ryans as defensive coordinator. This year we have Steve Wilkes. Now last week looked good. Last week looked great. So, you know, maybe Wilkes figured it out over the bye week and they're going to, you know, look more like that going forward. That that would be fantastic. Um, but I'm still not ready to exhale when it comes to like, okay, Steve Wilkes figured it out and knows how to call the right defense and all that stuff. Well, I got to see it for more than one week. And uh, I won't even if they have a good week this week, I'm not going to be satisfied because we got that that big Seattle, Philly, Seattle part of the schedule coming up. And that's going to be the real test for the. 40- I'm not worried about the Seahawks in the slightest. I don't think they're a real team. Like I, they're good enough to beat bad teams, but I don't think they're even slightly good enough to hang with the good teams. Uh, we saw that against the Ravens. And I do think the 49ers are even a better team than the Ravens overall. I will say Baker Mayfield wow. in his two career starts against the 49ers has been complete and utter garbage. Zero yeah. touchdowns, three interceptions. He had the worst game of his career still to this day uh, in his first start against the 49ers in week five, 2019. Uh, back. I mean, both games have been in San Francisco, so this is the third time he has to play here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his teams averaged nine points per game. They lost by 22 plus points in both matchups against the 49ers. So, I mean, I think they know. Uh, and Nick Bosa is not going to allow them to lose to Baker Mayfield. Well, so in that first game in 2019, I mean, Bosa literally was out to get Baker. I think he had like three sacks in the game. He did the flag celebration. He talked afterwards about how he was taunting Baker on the field. He did say this week that he is sort of has no beef against Baker, that they met in the off season and that he's nice. And that basically that that's over now that he was kind of just goofing around his rookie year. Sign me two nine on Twitch says, do you really believe what Bosa said about not holding anything against Baker? I don't personally. I just think that he didn't want it to be a thing this week. Like the players take colleges and what happens in college very, very seriously. And so I think that I still think that he's got a little something for Baker this week. And even if he doesn't, when they get on the field together and if he gets a sack, like he's going to want to sack him. He's going to want to do the celebration. Like, I think he would do the same celebration again. <laughs> and like I just think there's something there once you get on the field. I do think Baker's a super likable guy. Like, I, I think he's super likable, super fun. I just seems like a good leader. Like, if you met him and hung out with him, I feel like like that's what I get with Nick Bosa, where he probably met him. He's like, all right, he's not such a bad dude. Like, he's, he's a complete competitor at heart he wants baker wants to win games more than anybody out there right like all he wants to do is win games he's not the best at doing it but that's why he does these crazy things and i don't know he was a kid i 
I don't love, I, I hate when people hate on Baker just because of some stupid college things he's did. It's not like he, you know, really hurt anybody. I always liked Baker. I know people got all bent out of shape about the commercials and everything. I always thought he was funny. I Those loved- commercials are amazing. Him recreating the Brett Favre draft photo was fantastic. Like to me, he always just seemed like a fun guy. I don't know why people. I think right now, if the Browns had Baker Mayfield on their team this season, they'd be one of the best teams in the league. Mm, That's fair. It's a fair thing to wonder, but he's not in Cleveland. He's in Tampa Bay. He faces the Niners. By the way, I remember in that 2019 game, first play of the game, I believe Matt Breida ran for like an 88 yard touchdown run. That's how that game literally started. And then Richard Sherman had a pick on the next possession. Why am I replaying this game on my head? I literally can see all the possessions. <laughs> Hopefully it goes like that, uh, frankly. Um, but you're right. Niners should win this game. It should be. I My score prediction was 31-20 because I think Tampa will get a touchdown early and they'll get a touchdown late at the end when it's not competitive at all. And so that's how they'll end up getting 20 points with a couple field goals thrown in. But I just don't know how the Tampa defense stops this offense right now because they look like they are rolling. No, they're not going to stop the offense, especially because Purdy on deep throws this year has been absolutely fantastic. So when I say deep throw, 20-plus air air yards, right? Mm-hmm. And this is all from next-gen stats. He has a 143 passer rating. Now, normally, that would easily be first, but C.J. Stroud is having the most insane <laughs> rookie season of his life, and somehow he has a higher passer rating at 147, right, and deep passer rating this year. Wow. But uh, both of these guys are well ahead of everyone else because, a hun- remember, 158.3 is the best passer rating you can have mm-hmm. in any metric. So 143 is absurd, and especially on deep passes – now, remember, just a couple weeks ago, Stroud played the Buccaneers defense. He had 470 yards, five pass touchdowns against this defense. The, uh, the Buccaneers defense are giving up the second most passing yards per game in the league. And we know Purdy at home. I mean, at home, he just kills it. He's averaging 10 pass yards per attempt at home in his career, including playoff games. Like 10 passing yards per attempt is eight passing yards per attempt is fantastic. 10 is insanity. That is, it's absurd what he's been able to do. Honestly, I've said it, you know, earlier in his little tenure with the 49ers this year. And I still believe it now. Like he is giving the 49ers everything that we hoped the offense would look like with Trey Lance, right? Maybe not as much on the ground because he doesn't really run like that. But in terms of chunk plays in terms of taking doubles over singles in terms of not throwing the stupid interception, for the most part, I know he had a couple of bad ones recently, but uh, you know, if you look at the whole picture, he has not thrown a ton of interceptions. That is exactly the kind of offense that we hoped we would see, which is, which is awesome. And it doesn't really make sense to me with this whole, like, if you look at Brock Purdy's uh, splits with Devo Samuel on and off the field this year, it doesn't feel like Devo should be that important, but it seems like he is because it's not just games that Devo has missed. It's just looking at when Devo Samuel is on the field or off the field. I mean, everything is so drastically different for Brock Purdy. Eight touchdowns, zero interceptions when he's on the field. Seven touchdowns, five interceptions when off. (laughs) And then his uh, open target percentage goes from, 48.7% all the way down to 40%. So it drops off by 8% with Devo on and off the field. His completion percentage drops by six points. It's pretty wild. I mean, it's, it's hard to ignore. It doesn't make a ton of sense because it doesn't feel like Devo Samuel's doing all that much in the passing game this year, but clearly defenses are worried about him and focus on stopping him, which is opening up everything else around him. 
Yeah, the gravity. We talk about it with Christian McCaffrey. I think Debo has it too. Because of his versatility, you have to pay attention to him no matter where he is on the field. And so even if he's not catching a pass necessarily, he's still influencing the defense and, and helps, I think, the 49ers dictate to other defenses what to do. And then if Kyle knows what you're going to do on defense, he will destroy you. And I think that's why it's been it's looked so good with Debo back on the field. Yeah, and then also obviously having Trent Williams back on the field instead of Jalen Moore is just huge. And I don't really know like, did who's a Buccaneers top pass rusher? I should Vita know. Vea? Yeah, I guess up in the middle. But yeah, hopefully they don't run Christian McCaffrey up the middle too much. The Buccaneers are a pretty hard team to run against, but we need to get them to the outside, give them a lot of short passes. Maybe like last week we were saying use the running game kind of through the air, a lot of short passes, and that's kind of your running game. I think they might have to do that again this week. I will say, so McCaffrey has scored two scrimmage touchdowns against the Buccaneers in each of his last three games played against mm-hmm. them. He can join. He can be well, just the sixth player all time to have four-plus consecutive games with two or more scrimmage touchdowns against a single opponent um, in NFL history. So he can make some uh, history this year week against them i wanted to say place a bet and cmc two touchdowns in this game because normally that would be insane odds right it's only plus 230 everyone else in this game is plus 1100 or higher he's at plus 230 you can't even really make much on such a risky bet for two touchdowns he's also four catches away from breaking roger craig's record for the most receptions by a running back to start his career in the history of the nfl so that if he doesn't get that this week he's going to get it next week so he's also one more game away from tying marshall falk for the most games with one rush touchdown and one receiving touchdown the guy's absurd he's a cheat code it's it's ridiculous what he has done since coming over in the trade uh the you mentioned the running game the encouraging thing for me is Jacksonville was fourth best against the run last week, and the Niners still ran for almost five yards a carry and 144 total yards. So that was super encouraging to me because that was the opposite of what I was talking about with the pass rush, right? The Jags were good against the run, and the Niners still bullied them in the game and were able to run the ball. That's encouraging to me. So even if Tampa is good against the run, hopefully the Niners can recreate that success because that's why their offense looks so good because they were able to run the ball. They were able to use play action. Yeah, I, I think as long as they stay away from trying to run up the middle too much. I, I know that the 49ers got it done against the tougher Jaguars run defense, but Vita Vea is no joke in the middle. Like, just stay away from him. Get it get it out to the outside. Let Christian McCaffrey have some space. And I think the run game will be fine. It's just I don't think he's going to find much success going up the middle. I have some best bets this week that I think were pretty interesting, a little different, a little off the board for me. But, you know, I try to let the numbers dictate these things and go where they take me. How many best bets do you have this weekend? I have three for real ones. And then one I just want to throw out there. You put a little $10 bet on and we'll see if it works out. Right. So one, you want credit for if it hits, but you don't want any blame for if it doesn't. <laughs> well, I'm just saying you put $10 max on it, right? It's It's one of those, but I'll give that at the end. Okay. All right. Give me your fastball best bet. If you're only making one bet this week, this is the one you're going to make. Oh, you're only making one bet. Okay. If you're only making one bet, Brandon Ayuk over 67 and a half receiving yards. I mean, this is not good analysis. I want to say this right now, but he hits this in every other game this year. (laughs) So didn't hit it last week. These are his games. 129, 43, 148, 58, 76, 57. 109, 55, 
So every other game, he has at least 70 receiving yards. And I'm just going to go off of that. I think that, you know, it's just going to keep up. But also, I'll say, Ayuk is actually, he has, he's tied for the third most receptions on downfield targets this year. He's behind only Tyree Kill and CeeDee Lamb in downfield receptions. Wow. Really impressive. So I think he's going to get those chunk plays. The Buccaneers secondary is garbage. They're allowing the second, uh, yeah, the second most receiving yards to wide receivers this year behind only the Eagles and Brandon Ayuk does his thing every other game. So I'm going with 67 and a half receiving yards for him. <laughs> so your fastball best bet only make this one bet. Put your money down here. Analysis is based on the fact that, well, he's done it every other game. And so <laughs> I mean, I gave other reasons, but yes, uh, sometimes, you know, you just get lucky on these weird, uh, historical patterns here that is a little strange though how it's been that consistent we're not like two games into the season now so for it to be that consistent is pretty surprising Ayuk, uh there was a little tidbit too in the tv broadcast that i just i was re-watching some of the game this morning and i happened to notice brock purdy told the fox broadcast crew that he and Ayuk are starting to have like that mind meld right like they're starting to get that sort of connection that quarterbacks get with number one wide receivers after they've been together for a while where they both kind of look at each other and know that is super encouraging because especially if Brock's going to continue to make some off schedule plays, you need that sort of shared brain. And if he's starting to get it, that could be a very good thing. And that could definitely help you hit this over. Yeah. I think Brian Ayuk is super important for Brock Purdy. Uh, that's why I, kind of, I want the 49ers to keep him moving forward. I do think he's a special wide receiver. I know they don't utilize him enough consistently, but I do think he's super important for Brock Purdy's success moving forward. Okay. I have a best bet that I, to me, like I'm stunned that you could get plus money on this one. And it's 49ers score on their first drive, offensive score. It's plus 110, which means if you bet $100, you win $110. I'm totally shocked that this is like the odds for this are this good. There have only been two first drives all year where the 49ers have not scored either a touchdown or a field goal. And one of those was Christian McCaffrey fumbling at like the 10 yard line against the Vikings. So they were going to score either a touchdown or a field goal on that possession before he fumbled it away. So I would take this bet. I would put, you know, this is where I would put most of my money this week is on this one. And I know it's a little scary because it's, you know, right out of the gate and anything can happen. But the Niners have been great with the scripted plays on the scripted possessions. And I just think that there's no way they don't go down and get a field goal or a touchdown. So my second one actually goes with this and maybe you could parlay it together. But I, I said that the touchdown, the two touchdowns for CMC is just not worth it, right? You, you don't get enough for that kind of risk of getting into the end zone twice. But, and then if you just bet on one touchdown, you make no money because they, right. <laughs> they're like, yeah, he's going to score. But Christian McCaffrey first touchdown score of the game is at plus 275. Mm. And I'm not scared of the Buccane Buccaneers scoring first in this game, right? Like even if they win the coin toss, I think the 49ers stop them at most would allow a field goal. I do think the 49ers are the first ones to get into the end zone in this game pretty easily. And if you have to pick who's going to score that first touchdown for the 49ers, I mean, the best bet is Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey actually leads the NFL with three touchdowns on his team's first drives of games this season so he's at the top there 
And we both believe that the 49ers will have a nice first drive. I think this is a solid bet. If you wanted to be even more bold and risk a little more money, 49ers to score a touchdown on their first drive is plus 205. And before you think that's too risky, they've actually done that in six out of the nine games this year. A touchdown on the first drive, not just an offensive score. They have the most points scored on the opening drive of anybody in the NFL. And I just, I would feel... I felt really good about that. But then when I saw the offensive score and it was still plus money at plus 110, I was like, I'm going to pick that one for sure, just in case, you know, disaster happens and maybe they have to kick the field goal. But I feel like one of those two things is definitely happening. And you know, with Kyle Shanahan, they'll get down to the one inch line and on fourth down, he'll be like, mm, we, should kick. <laughs> we should kick the field goal. Right. Let's, let's bring Jake Moody out here. Booth is confident. <laughs> I see a couple people suggesting bets in the chat. I'm going to get to those, uh, but I want to finish going through the, your best bets. So what do you got for us? Uh, Brock Purdy over 258 and a half passing yards. He has had 270 plus passing yards in each of the last three games. I know the two games prior, he had a pass more because they were close games. They were losing whatsoever but I mean last week they were killing the Jaguars just the entire game and he still put up 296 yards and the reason I like this bet is because of the matchup again I brought up that the Buccaneers are along the second most passing yards per game uh this season to uh to opponents but also they've been particularly bad uh covering the deep pass they've allowed the fifth most deep passing yards they've allowed the second most deep passing touchdowns and that is where Brock Purdy has thrived this year so i think he's going to have a lot of chunk plays maybe not a ton of you know pass attempts but i think the pass attempts he does have it's going to come with a lot of 30 yard completions that are going to rack up and he gets 259 yards in this game and the one thing with Brock is like, if they're there, he'll take them. Like he doesn't settle for the check down. He looks to take those first. And Kyle Shanahan had an interesting line uh, with KMBR yesterday. He talked about how like sometimes a deeper play is kind of sort of there, like not, you know, not totally wide open or whatever. And Brock still takes it anyway. Like he presses until it hurts when it comes to putting pressure on a defense. So I agree with you. I, I would take this over absolutely in this one. Um, which if you're going to take, see, I feel like this sort of affects all your other bets, right? Because if you're going to take this one, then it's like, all right, well, receiving totals for certain guys have to hit if he's going to hit this over. So like, how many bets do you make? That's where I sometimes can get into trouble. Cause I want to make too many bets. As long as you don't parlay them together, you're okay. True. Yeah, that is very true. Um, okay. Let's get into, uh, was that all three of your best bets? Sorry. My top three. Yeah. And then I have one more I'm going to get to. Okay, do you want well, let's get to that now. Give me the one that you want credit for if it hits, but if it doesn't hit, you want none of the blame. Okay, okay. And again, $10, right? Unless you are made of money and you have money to blow away, then you can maybe put down more. But Trey Palmer is the slot wide receiver for the Buccaneers. He unfortunately doesn't have any receiving total bet line on DraftKings, at least. Maybe you can find it elsewhere. It'd probably be super low, and I would take the over. But he is plus 650. Anytime touchdown score. And you guys know I love to place these bets on the slot wide receivers against the, the 49ers defense. And Palmer leads the Buccaneers uh, wide receivers and routes from the slot this season. And he's seen an increase of offensive snaps uh, over the last few games. So he actually saw a season high 83% of offensive snaps last week. He's had four, four, six targets over the last three weeks. So do I, is it going to be risky that he scores a touchdown? He has two on the year, so it's not like he has zero, right? 
but I would feel better about his receiving yards. But also Isaiah Oliver is, I will use the word garbage for him. He's but he's garbage. one play. Yeah, it's just one play. He needs a touchdown. And if they're doing a good job covering up Mike Evans and Chris Godwin like they did last week, maybe he looks to Trey Palmer. Well, the good news for 49er fans is that they seemingly benched Isaiah Oliver last week for Ambry Thomas. Hopefully that continues because Isaiah Oliver has been terrible. Uh, let's get to a couple of the questions in the chat. Andre, YouTube channel member, says George Kittle, anytime touchdown scorer. Uh, that is plus 160 if you want to go there. I feel like George Kittle's touchdowns happen by accident, right? He catches a, a bomb down the field. The defender falls down. He walks into the end zone. I feel like if he doesn't get something like that, they don't target him in the red zone. So I really get worried making this kind of a bet. It's risky, but as I just said, they're giving up a ton of deep pass touchdowns. So that could definitely be the George Kittle touchdown, mm -hmm. but it, it's definitely a riskier bet. And I don't think the odds are, I mean, they're fine, but you're not even making double and it feels risky, but he could hit it. Antonio says chase young over 0.5 sacks. You know me, I always looked at these. So he's actually the bet you can make is 0.75 sacks for Chase Young, but it's minus 110. So that, that means you'd have to wager $110 to win $100. So I didn't like that one. He was minus 110. The Bosa was over 0.75 sacks, and that was minus 125. So that's even worse odds. So I didn't like that one. The, the sack bet for the Niners I like this week was actually Javon Hargrave because it's he only needs to get a half sack in order to hit it, and it's plus 145. So bet 100, win $145. That's the one I'm going with. Last week, I think Hargrave, kind of his pressure, moved people towards Chase Young and towards Nick Bosa and towards Eric Armstead and Cleveland Farrell. I think it might work in the reverse this week, where the pressure off the edge forces Baker to step up into Eric Armstead, into Javon Hargrave. So if I had to place a sack bet this week, I go Hargrave at least a half sack plus 145. I like that. Yeah, it's definitely hard to take a guy that needs a full sack, right? Because he could make a great play and then someone else get, jumps in there too and they credit mm -hmm. both of them for a half of a sack. It's hard. And Chase Young, I mean, last week he had a half of a sack. He looked good. Now, was Chase Young on that Ohio State team when they faced Baker in Oklahoma? Um, he played with Bosa for eight games at Ohio State. I don't know if that was when they faced Baker. Because he could have two guys now a chances of tagging <laughs> him and then doing the, you know, the celebration. That's what I, I wish you could put a bet down. Do they do that celebration? Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, Zach says, what's up, Rob? What's up, Zach? Appreciate you. Uh, Hind says, Niners under 30, Bucks plus 10 and a half. So Niners under 30, I would be surprised, honestly. Um, because even last week, for example, they had generated four turnovers, but they only scored on half of them. There were two turnovers that they went three and out immediately after. So like they could have put up even more points in the game and didn't. So they don't have to play their absolute best to hit 30 points. So I would not take the Niners under 30. Yeah, honestly, I'm uh, the opposite of both of these. I would take Niners over 30. And the last I saw, it was Bucks plus 12, actually. And I'm still taking the 49ers to beat them by 12. My prediction is 31 to 17. So that would still cover the 12. There you go. Um, I actually, there was a couple of bets I saw. And you tell me how you feel about this. I When I first saw it, I was like, damn. All right, maybe I have to do that. The first one was Niners minus three and a half after the first quarter. And my thinking on that is 
they're going to score on the opening drive. And so I feel like they're off to such a good start there. I think they'll get one other score in the first quarter. So I don't know. I think I would take Niners minus three and a half after one. Yeah, I was hurt. The, what was it? A, f- a handful of weeks ago when I was like, every single week they're yeah. up by this amount if it's the first quarter. And then they get smashed by the Vikings in the first quarter. Like, well, also CMC fumbling was a big right. part of that. But I just, it. yeah. And now I'm just like scarred from doing that. I never look at those, right? And I finally did and I got scarred. So I haven't gone back yet. But yeah, they should be up by at least a touchdown after the first quarter. And I also wanted to, that was plus 105, by the way. And then I also liked the total for the game over seven and a half after the first quarter. And that's not even like, that could be the Bucks up by 10 points or whatever. But to me, that seems really low. And that's plus 105. Wait, also. What, wait I, I, what was it? Total points in the, in the quarter. The over is over seven and a half. Oh, yeah. Like for both teams combined? Yeah, for both. Plus 105. I already made that bet before we even before we even jumped on the air. Yeah, I guess the biggest concern is that the 49ers shut them out. So they would need at least 10 points in the first. But if they're shutting out the Buccaneers like that, then they're going to have multiple possessions and you would expect them to at least have a touchdown, a field goal. That's what I would think, too. Right. So I I don't know. I Again, like it makes me nervous because I feel so good about it that like clearly Vegas is getting one over on me. But I, I had to do it. Uh, shout out to Cynthia, YouTube channel member says, Hey, Rob and Michelle, I'm on a plane coming back from the Bahamas. That is really cool. Someone's 10,000 feet or 25,000 feet up watching us right now. Well, hopefully she's enjoying a mimosa with me on the plane. You always got to have that mimosa on the plane. That's I've, I've only weird side story. I've only ever had alcohol on a plane one time. It was a couple of years ago. I was flying home from the Super Bowl when I was working at NBC and I happened to be Humble sitting brag. Yes. Uh, I happen to be sitting next to this woman who started talking with me and we're talking and she's like, do you want a drink? And I was like, what? And she's like, I want to buy you a drink. And I was like, no one's ever bought me a drink before. She says, well, I'm going to buy you a drink. So she bought me a beer. So we're sitting and we're talking the whole flight. And she says, what are you doing after this flight? And we had talked about like my wife, my kids, my family, the whole thing. I'm I'm side eyeing you here. No, no, no. Like, I, I, first of all, I'm wearing a wedding ring. I've been married for years. And no, what I'm saying, I'm like, I'm not hiding anything about my situation. So she says to me, what are you doing after this? And I say, nothing. She's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I don't have any plans either. So (laughs) we get to the end of the flight and the plane lands. And I just look at her and I said, see you later. (laughs) I just got (laughs) off the plane and I sailed it out of there. That's what you have to do. I hate those kind of situations because then you feel like I, I hate, I hate when guys buy me drinks. A, I always make it known I'm married. I mean, my wife is always with me. So I'm like, well, this is my wife. And they still want to buy us drinks. But then you just feel an obligation to A, talk to them or hang out with them. Or, you know, and I'm just like, oh, God. Like, I just, I'd rather just buy my own drink and decide if I want to talk to you on my own. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not hard to get a drink. I could afford a drink. That's why I'm yeah. here in the first place. But that to this day is the only time any woman has ever bought me a drink. Um, and it probably will. I'll you buy you a drink when we meet. Okay. Well, hey, I'll take that. I like free alcohol. But it was just super awkward because eventually, like, I figured out what was happening. And I was like, I need to get out of here fast. Yeah. Have you ever told your wife this story? Oh, yeah. 100%. Good boy. Yeah. No, I 100%. I also probably think my wife thinks it's laughable that any other woman would be interested in me. So 
<laughs> I don't think she cared. But anyway, uh, we appreciate everybody. Sorry for that quick aside. It was just a weird thing that popped into my head. Uh, that is all of my be- – oh, uh, the only other best bet I had is Mike Evans over 55 and a half receiving yards. This seems kind of low to me too. The only way I feel like he doesn't get this is if the 49ers just interfere with him and so he doesn't get credit for the receiving yards because of the penalty. And that's definitely what could happen. Like I can definitely see that happening. I don't have exactly what he had. Um, I know Godwin and Evans combined for 98 yards. I think Chris Godwin had, uh, let me look really quick. Um, actually I won't be able to look that up quick enough. Uh, he was close to that the last time they met last year. I don't know. Yeah. I think he gets the over, but again, I don't know if Ward can guard him, but at the same time, he might just run into him and then he doesn't get the yards. And he's gotten some penalties this year too. I feel like he gets a lot of penalties last year. Evans had four for 44 against the Niners. Godwin had five for 54. If you are uh, keeping track. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. I guess it's, it's, not, I don't feel. I also just don't want to root for that because the only way the 49ers can lose this game is if Mike Evans goes off, right? And I'm not like if he gets 60 yards, that's not going off at all. And if he doesn't get a touchdown, who cares? But if he, I, like, I don't want to be rooting for Mike Evans to catch passes because I think that's the Amen. only possible way the Buccaneers can stay in this game is if Baker and Mike Evans just have this huge game, uh, and he's the only one that could wreck this for the 49ers. This Mike, I'm not worried about Chris Godwin. Not worried about Rashad White. There's no other weapons there that I'm worried about besides like Trey Palmer could score a touchdown, you know, uh, but it's only Mike Evans that could possibly ruin this for the 49ers. Uh, gorgeous. Uh, Gregorious Greg, excuse me, says gorgeous Greg. I can't read. Apparently uh, we appreciate that. I'm glad it's one of your favorite shows. The Mike I Evans want to call thing. him gorgeous Greg for no one. Yeah, I know that's better. See, I'm just trying to help you, Greg. Um, the only thing I'll say about the Evans thing is we've seen receivers go nuts against the 49ers. Even when the team gets blown out, they still have good games. Cooper Cup has done it a bunch. Uh, Puka Nakua did it when Cup was out earlier this year. Christian against Kirk had a really good game last week. So it's possible for a receiver to go nuts and the Niners to still blow them out. So those two things are not mu- mutually exclusive. So I don't know. I'd, uh, that's going to be a game time decision for me. I swear to God, I will be like hovering over the app, like right before kickoff. Like, do I do it? Do I not do it? It all comes down to, is it the pass interference or not? Cause you know, he's going to get yeah. open and he's going to have a chance to catch a couple big plays. And he, if I had to p- place a bet on this, I'm taking the over. I really am. Uh, but at the same time, you, you did just say it perfectly. I will say, I can they just put Isaiah Oliver out there for like, it's in the fourth quarter, the 49ers are up by a lot. Trey Palmer's out there. Just put Isaiah Oliver uh, across from Trey Palmer just for a quick little touchdown. Just right, just to your overs. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be like 31 to 7, right? It doesn't matter. It's in the fourth quarter. And give Trey Palmer a easy touchdown against Oliver. Think of the gamblers. 49ers is all we're saying uh tim says gorgeous greg sounds like the name of a boxer there was a very famous wrestler back in the day gorgeous george so that may be why that thing is ringing in your head before we go michelle i wanted to get your take on this um i don't know if you saw this over the past day or so carissa thompson got in a little bit of hot water did you see this yeah i haven't really i haven't listened to the interview so i don't know exactly what she said i know it was something from about 15 years ago i know a lot of people are upset at her and everyone's digging in 
again, I didn't listen to the interview, so I don't know how she said it, what she said. I know it was from 15 years ago. She did it. And it's unfortunate that she said it because now it's going to make women in sports look worse. It makes sideline reporters look worse. Um, and I'm just annoyed by the whole thing, but I don't want to dig in on her more without actually listening to what happened. So for anyone that doesn't know, Carissa Thompson was on the Pardon My Take podcast, and she talked about basically fabricating comments from coaches during games. You know how the sideline reporters get the comments from coaches like before halftime, after halftime, whatever. She said she talked about how she just makes them up sometimes. And not only that, but I had heard her on a podcast with Aaron Andrews a while ago say the same thing. So this is not a new thing for Carissa Thompson. She's not a sideline reporter anymore. Now she hosts, uh, she's on the desk for Amazon, I believe. And people, I mean, just about every sideline reporter that I have seen, old, uh, uh, past and present, I should say, have kind of dragged her for this and criticized her a lot. Um, and I was very surprised to see the response. And I think it's because of what you said, Michelle. A lot of them feel like, hey, Women have had such a hard go in this business. Sideline reporting was basically the only job a woman could have in sports for a very long time. And you're now making it tougher on all of us. Yeah, it's one of those things I wanted to mute so bad yesterday because I honestly, at the same time, I feel like she made a stupid mistake admitting this. I, we don't even know what this position was like 15 years ago. What they, I mean, I don't know. I, I've never been a sideline reporter, right? I don't know what comes of it. It was so long ago. They probably weren't giving the, her the time of the day. I mean, think about 15 years ago, women were just finally breaking into this industry. She probably was trying to make things more entertaining to really break out and, you know, make keep her job. I don't know. Like, there's so many things that can come into it. I have not listened to the interviews and I don't plan to because it's none of it, it's nothing to do with me. It's like not a silent reporter. Don't really care. Um, it's just unfortunate that she, something she didn't have to say in an interview, right? Yeah. First of all, like, why are you saying this out? Yeah. Now? That's, that's my biggest issue. Like she just made it worse for women in sports. She made sideline reporters look stupid. It's just, that's my biggest issue with it. it just to, why, why are you bragging about it? Or like even speaking of it, just yeah. some things are best left. Just be quiet. Just be quiet. No one would have ever known. That's the oh. that's the part. Like this was an entirely unforced error. Um, it, I wouldn't have mattered that much to me, honestly. Although, like, I don't. I, I agree with. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Whether it was Andrea Kramer or somebody talked about how, like, you have production meetings with the coaches earlier in the week to get information from them, so you don't have to make things up. You could just talk about what you learned. About Fifteen years ago, as a woman, did you? Right. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I believe you did, but also like just making stuff up is never acceptable ever. No, like, it's not. I just wish you didn't say anything. I mean, everyone's just jumping on and destroying her. It's, my, just, it's one of those things. I don't know. My favorite thing was then people just started making up news and then acting like Carissa Thompson. There were there was some really funny tweets last night. I'll give the, I'll give you that. Yeah. Like the Joe Burrow when he injured his hand, somebody the amputation. Out. Someone said that he has to have his finger amputated, right. according to Clarissa Thompson. That was hilarious. I mean, yeah, hilarious. there were some good ones. I was here for mm -hmm. that. But you know, look, you are a woman in sports. You work for the NFL Network. You are a very prominent position in sports. So I wanted to get your opinion on it. Yeah, I mean, 
it's just irritating because I, I just wish a guy would have said it. You know, you, you know, there's guys out there who have done this before. They're just probably, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of sideline reporters who have done this before, but they're not stupid enough to uh, say it in an interview. Yeah, that that was the the part that really and to say it multiple times, too. And oh. maybe that's why she felt comfortable, because she said it with Aaron Andrews and it wasn't a thing, really. I remember hearing it because it stuck out to me. But I think well, Aaron, what did Aaron Andrews, Andrews say during that interview. I think she was like, me too. If I'm remembering correctly, I thought she said something, but I don't want to like quote her on that because it was a while ago. But I, I think she she definitely wasn't like, hey, that's not right. Because if she was, it would have become a thing. It wasn't yes. a thing. Nobody cared about it. And maybe that's why she felt comfortable saying it again. on the That's part the thing of- with all of these reporters coming out and just like bashing her. It's like how much of it was lies that she said, maybe just small, like you don't know the full story. That's my thing. And I'm sure they've all done little tiny things where they made things seem more dramatic than they are, because that is your job to be more entertaining because I mean, you're just interviewing coaches who give you nothing. They give you nothing. They are pointless interviews. She said, in the absence of a coach providing any information that could further my report, I would use information that I learned and saw during the first half to create my report. For example, if a team was 0 for 7 on third down, that would clearly be an area they need to improve on in the second half. In these instances, I never attributed anything I said to a player or a coach. Yeah, see, like I feel like now she's just walking it back because she knows. Oh, so she's this is what she it. said afterwards. She released a statement uh, on Instagram, it looks like. Very, very long statement. That I'm not going to read the whole thing, but. I feel like, you know, what you did, you stepped in it. Amazon probably got mad. So now I'm not really interested in hearing your, your explanation. But anyway, I just wanted to get your take on it. Um, we do have a super My chat. Take is I don't know. My take is I don't really have a take. Roadhog 228 says some say Purdy plays well, only with a lead feels like he doesn't get credit for keeping a lead. We don't lose the Super Bowl against Kansas city after a 10 point lead with Brock Purdy. That's very fair. I mean, he's very good when they are up. Not only do they usually keep the lead, they usually increase it. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a really, really fair point. He should get more credit for that. I mean, so look at the fourth quarter comebacks. Look at the guys who lead fourth quarter comebacks. It's like the Derek Cars, the Kenny Pickett. It's the <laughs> bad quarterbacks that the whole reason you need to have a fourth quarter comeback is because you stink. <laughs> it's because you put your team in this situation. That's not a good thing to have so many fourth quarter comebacks. Uh, unless your defense is just so bad and you're up a lot, of, like you both have a lot of points in that game. But if you like, yeah, I, I totally agree here with this comment. And that's something I feel like he doesn't really get credit for. Everyone says like, well, he does, hasn't really had the chance to come from behind, but they don't make the next logical leap, which is because he's giving them a lead earlier in the game. Like we talked about all the touchdowns the 49ers have scored on the opening drive, six and nine games. That's a credit to Brock, right? I mean, he's got a, you can't not give him credit for that, but then say, well, he needs to come back. It, it, you can't do both. Someone uh, is giving a shout out to the Steelers. James Kirk, Captain Kirk says, hey, Michelle, just want to give a shout out to the Steelers. They've done much better than I thought they would after the first game of the season. Six yeah, and three now. Don't, yeah, don't, it doesn't matter. Their, their record is a joke. And they might very well be eight and three because they get to play Dorian Thompson Robinson this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They might lose to him. I have no I have no faith. And then after that, probably get to play. Uh, what's his name? Browning uh, for right, the bang- Bengals. No, I haven't seen anything yet today on Joe Burrow, who <laughs> speaking of people doing things they shouldn't do. The Bengals put out a video of Joe Burrow where he very clearly had some sort of wrist support, whether it was a brace or a wrap or something on his wrist, despite not being on the injury report. And then what happened last night? Lo and behold, 
Joe Burrow injures his wrist. Like, and they're saying that it's a, a sprain to the wrist. That seems unlikely. The, the way he was in pain when trying to throw the ball, mm-hmm. it felt very much like a nerve or something. And his hand was ballooned. I mean, oh really? Hand, I don't. Yeah. I mean, the close up. His hand looked so silly. It looked like you're you blew up one of those gloves and you put it on your hand. His hand was ballooned. I've had sprain race or sprain wrist before. I don't remember my hand blowing up, but also. I guess I've never tried to throw a football with a sprained wrist, but I think a grown man who plays the NFL and gets those hits, I don't think you have that reaction from trying to throw a ball with a sprained wrist, right? It hurts, but that oh, kind yeah. of like agony seems weird to me. I think it's something way more serious than just a sprained wrist. Apparently he told Patrick Queen he heard a pop, which is <laughs> your body is not supposed to pop. So that's yeah, not you don't, I don't think you hear a pop with a sprained wrist the picture look at that look at that it does look a little funky and people say his pinky looks weird i have a super super weird pinky that could have been a that could have been an injury from any sport or from earlier like if you ever uh got your finger jammed and you didn't tape it up your your Mm -hmm. pinky's gonna look messed up my pinky's messed up so i don't think it has anything to do with his pinky and a lot of people are, are making a big deal out of the fact that he was dapping up lamar jackson after the game with his left hand so he you know which is obviously that's not the hand you normally well, yeah, like, uh, have you ever had a sprained wrist? My hand didn't get fat. I tore all the ligaments in my left wrist, actually playing basketball in junior high school, which still hurts to this day when it gets cold outside, which is a whole other thing. But so, and my hand did not inflate like, like that appears to be. Yeah, I don't know why a wrist injury would make your hand unless the, like, the wrapping around his wrist is making the blood good. I don't know. I just feel like there's some nerve type of damage. I mean, and also the way I was scared for a second UCL, but he wasn't grabbing at his elbow because the same way he tried to throw very looked like Brock Purdy when he tried oh, to throw. Right. And it, it wasn't happening. So that's why I think it's some kind of ligament or nerve damage. I don't, I really don't believe it's just a sprained wrist. And whatever it is, it wasn't reported. So the Bengals might get dinged for that. But yeah, your Steelers looking good all of a sudden in the AFC North. Oh, I can't wait to make the playoffs and get destroyed in the first <laughs> round. Like, oh, it's going to be right, so much you, fun. You might have to. Well, no, you wouldn't have to play the two seed because if you win the division, you are uh, not winning the division. The The Ravens are still ahead. Ah, Lamar was banged up last night, too. Yeah, Lamar's fine. The Ravens are a way better team. This, this is what's going to happen is the Steelers are going to have to play the Chiefs in the wild card round. Go to Kansas City, and they're going to lose 40 to three. <laughs> uh, well, I hope they at least make the playoffs for you. Thanks. But anyway, thanks everybody for watching. Please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you hit the little bell, you'll get notified whenever we go live, which after the game, we will be live immediately following the game. Levin Black and I will be with you for the instant reaction show. And if you want to learn a little more, about the Bucks, I actually talked with Ira Kaufman this week, who is the guy when it comes to Tampa Bay sports. He's the Bucks Hall of Fame voter. He's been called the sage of Tampa Bay sports, the custodian of Canton. He is just a fantastic guest. That's going to be on the crossover show that comes out uh, midnight tonight. So technically tomorrow morning, but that'll drop on the YouTube page. It'll drop on a podcast. So please go and check that out for good insight into the Bucks. Maybe it helps inform some of your bets that we talked about today. I just want to make sure you're aware of everything that's going on with the channel. Michelle, if they want more from you, where can they find it? So they can find me on NFL.com or thegameday.com but, or my Twitter. But what I really want to say is please go leave us 
a five-star review. All right. If you're listening this deep in, you love us. Give us a five-star review. Don't make Mimosa Michelle sad. <laughs> Let me cheers to some uh, good reviews next week. You don't understand how important that is to our podcast and the, our growth. And I think we're doing amazing, amazing things here. We know stats is just killing it every single week on this network. This is the mimosa being friendly to him. I'm not normally <laughs> friendly to him, but please help us grow. I, I mean, honestly, it, that is the number one way that you can do it. Absolutely. The more ratings and reviews you leave, the higher up on the charts we go. That makes it easier for people to find us when they're looking for podcasts and 49ers podcasts. So please, please, please do it. If you do it, we will read it on the show. I promise you. Michelle Someone said, where do we leave the review at? On You can leave it on the podcast app, on your Apple app, yeah. or at wherever you listen to your podcasts. You just leave it right on the app. Apple Pods would be number one. Uh, I don't think Spotify lets you leave a review. They let you drop a rating, which is good. Uh, I don't know why they don't let you do reviews, but whatever. But there, uh, tell a friend, too. That would really help us out. But if you want to support us, that is absolutely the best way to do it. Go enjoy your wife's birthday, Michelle, and brunch. And give her a hug for me. Tell her I said happy birthday. Will do. Good luck to the 49ers and the Steelers this week. Bye, y'all. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. This has been a Gold Standard Podcast Network production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.